I've been putting my bang energy drinks in this thermos because I just feel like it's more socially acceptable to drink on video out of a thermos than a bang energy drink can. Like if you drink it straight out of the bang, you're like, hey, I'm Kyle. Here's my drywall. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, don't say that, dude. I have a hole in my drywall literally right above me. <laughs> I will say though, so for the listener, there's a, there's a hole in my drywall uh, and the wall behind me. The bang energy drink. No. Too it, much <laughs> I had a bike hanging on my wall and for no reason it just fell out of the wall. And I had it, don't worry, I had it in anchor, drywall anchors. I like They were like 100 pound drywall anchors. I hang everything with those and nothing falls out of the wall except for the bike. But it's upgraded, as you can see, Cody. Uh, and you probably see it in some of the other episodes. But instead of it just being a random unplanned hole in the wall, now it looks like it's a coordinated hole in the wall because I, <laughs> I sawed it into a rectangle. Strategic. Yeah, yeah well, I, I have, I have the... I have the materials to fix it, though. I have a drywall sheet that's just like a, a fixing a, a patch kit. And then I have all the other drywall tape, putty, and brackets to, to fix it. But it'll probably be up there for another, like, three months before I decide to actually fix it. Have you seen anything crawl out of it? Like a bug? <laughs> like a face hugger? <laughs> no. No. I'm on the sixth floor of, of a 40-story apartment complex, so I, there's probably not very many bugs in here. I've never... I think the tallest four floors, four stories, I think is the tallest building I lived in. And I don't remember. Do they have bugs at the very top of like very tall building? Uh, not that I know. I'm kind of at, well, so my friend Alex lives on the 21st floor and he doesn't even have like a balcony. So I couldn't tell you, but probably not. I'd imagine the higher you go, the, the gustier the wind is because his, his apartment sways when there's heavy gusts. Don't like that. But mine doesn't. <laughs> don't like pass after me. I don't think I could live in a place where the elevator is faster than the stairs. I like knowing that if I have to, I can do either, and it doesn't. It's not a huge deal. Like at um, school, my main building, like the language building, is six stories. So I'll take the stairs six stories if I have to. I know it's a little longer, but I'm also like, man, six stories still isn't that bad. That's but a lie. I I would not want to walk six stories <laughs> over an elevator. Are you kidding me? That's fine. I think two stories is my limit, man. After two, I'm like, let's take an elevator. Like the attic, I need an elevator. No. <laughs> no, I agree with you. It's actually easier to have stairs if you have dogs like I do. Because then you got to wait for the elevator. And if they really have to go and the elevators are in use from like some person moving in, yeah, then it's a little more difficult. But Did I tell you when I was, when I was in Cedar Falls? You remember Tyler? I was living with Tyler at the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I bought those... I think it's Bowflex weights, the adjustable Bowflex. They're nice. Oh, uh, I got money. It's <laughs> for the first time. <laughs> um, yeah, I actually finally had some money. But you don't realize how, I don't know, redundant. I don't know what the word is. It's a place that you, you're in a trap when you buy adjustable weights for the first time because they're really heavy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you have to move them. And about that. you're not in, you're in the worst position you've ever been in your life to move them. So anyway, the, the moral was, of the story is buy individual weights first. Well, and don't, <laughs> I, I was on the third floor, third floor at the time. 
and the delivery guy had just you know left it at the bottom so i i just flipped it i kept flipping it up the <laughs> stairs it slowly got up to the third because there wasn't a uh there wasn't a elevator in that building either but yeah so anyway i just thought they, there needs to be a better solution for this people who buy adjustable weights for the first time are just the bad spot well i would imagine it's the same thing as buying like an appliance like just get a dolly mm, yeah and don't live in an apartment on the third floor without an elevator, I guess. Yeah, well, again, solution. Buy the individual weights before you buy a completely adjustable weight set. That's good. That's good. <laughs> it's probably cheaper, too. You can get on Facebook Marketplace and get, like, an entire weight set for 50 bucks. Nah, I don't know why I didn't at the time. Maybe... Space. Adjustable weights are awesome because you don't have a you don't need to have like a the whole rack of weights. What was this? Probably like twenty sixteen, something like that. I don't know. It was quite a while ago at this point. Well, sorry for that five minute entry. Uh, welcome back to the Ever Bros podcast. Maybe later we just stop apologizing. We're like, you're welcome. You're yeah, welcome. you're welcome. Well, we planned for this episode to be shorter because it's you're just a hype man. You have nothing of value to add. I don't. It, yep. <laughs> That's not true. You're going to have some value. I know you're going to have some value. But the the last episode, we talked about how to find your first clients. What it probably should be more about is how to find your first prospects, or at least your first leads. Because once you get a lead from one of those mediums, you're going to have to close them. And if you're not a salesperson, surprise, you have to become a salesperson. That's kind of, it comes with the territory of owning a business, unless you have a partner like Cody, who handles on the background all the sales yeah and i one thing i don't like sales i've never liked sales i've never wanted to do sales and i've always thought i was terrible at it but i just kind of became one out of necessity and i'll give you a couple tips if you're not naturally salesy if you are great don't listen to anything i have to say but i'll tell you from experience what works for us and what works for me the biggest thing is when you're acquiring your first leads you probably don't have a portfolio at all so you're you're selling on promises and just trust. That's it. For us, it's a lot, for our sales process now, it's a lot easier because we can actually send them results of clients. We can send them websites that we've done in the past. And we have a pretty ironed out process, but you're not going to. So what I did when I first started, I kind of anticipated all this. I actually worked on my portfolio before I worked on my marketing. And one of my friends at church, when I used to go to church, he owned a lawn care landscaping business. Well, I feel like that's a story. What? You just left it there. You're like, when I used to go to church, and now we're, we're uh, left to wonder. Well, I just don't go anymore. My brother's a pastor in Wyoming, and I just, I haven't found a church that I like as much as him, and I don't just, you know. Okay. That's not a story, then. That's fine. <laughs> it's not. Wait, well, wait if you track me. <laughs> uh, I'm uh, like, hey, whoa, buddy, you okay? Like, we need to talk about oh, this. Oh, no, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I yeah, I don't I don't hold any grudges. I just uh Oh, you're good. You just haven't found one. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. That's good. No. I can go yeah. to church or I can cut a podcast episode, pick one. But uh yeah, so he went to church with me. He owned a landscaping and lawn care business and he had a website that he built on blog what was that what's that blogging website that a blogger? blogger? Was it blogger with a B as a logo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So he had a he had a website on blogger. That was the first one I ever had. Yeah, but it was just a basically a blog site. Like it looked like a blog site, except he just it's had his contact information. And I remember I went up to him and was like, "Hey, dude, how would you like to have me build you a completely free website, just totally brand new?" And he obviously he was into it. I mean, you'd have to be stupid to say no. Well, he was my friend too, so like I wasn't worried about asking him. So I learned how to build a website 
without taking his down and then basically migrating it. And that was a huge task. I had no, I was doing things that I should not be doing. Like, like using XAMP and Apache and accessing my local host. And I didn't know any of this. I had to Google how to do this. Uh, we have a way easier process now. But besides the fact, you're going to have to look that up on your own or we'll cover in a future episode. However, if you're doing something like graphic design or you have like a, uh, you're doing like video editing, you're some one of those kind of agencies, then you, you're going to have to do the same thing. Maybe provide some free work just to build a portfolio. But I got his site built using WordPress, using how I wanted to build the site. And then whenever somebody asked me if I had any examples of work, I would just show that. And then we had another client that I just charged super cheap. I think we've talked about him. We might've talked about him before, but we, char- we charged like 750 bucks and that was... I think we were charging a thousand. I think that was our main rate, but we gave them a, a pretty big discount just to get another another site in our portfolio. So either free or heavily discounted services, and that's how I started building that portfolio. Well, I think that's depend who you are in your setup. So if you are starting from actually nothing, you've got no previous work connections, you have no experience. Yeah, working for free is not the worst thing you can do. Hot take, but I think it's true. Uh, just because you, what do you have to sell? You don't know what you're doing. That's fine. But then don't charge people money for it. <laughs> hey, I don't know what I'm doing. Please give me your money. Nobody can be mad at free work unless you purposely mess something up for them. If, yep. you, if you put them in a negative position from where they were before you contacted them, then yeah. But chances are you're not going to do that. And then after that, working at a discount. Um, so yeah, you know that you're worth a little bit more money now. Uh, your skills are better. You are getting to a better spot. So you can increase your rates a little bit, but you know you're not quite where you want to be. So that's, again, if you're starting at effectively zero, if you have connections, if you have previous associates, that sort of thing, who you can reach out to, do that uh, and just do the same thing. I think about this. Yeah. Hot take. Here we go. Um, People are so lazy, so lazy, like incredibly, insanely lazy when it comes to things that they supposedly say that they want to do very badly. When I applied to the first job in tech um, that got me into this whole industry. I went to the interview and the woman pointed out some very simple, obvious, clear uh, things that were wrong with my resume. One of them being, I, so I was a senior at that point. I've worked a lot of jobs. None of them were great fits for me. And at that last stint, I was doing nothing. So I had a few months where I was doing absolutely zero. And she said those two things. She said, seems like you've done nothing like this. <laughs> and you've done nothing up until right now. Do you have anything to say about that? And I just said, yeah. Um, honestly, I've not liked any of the jobs that I've had up until now. I feel like they're not a good fit for me. They're not a good fit for my personality and my style. I've realized that this is extremely important to me. And I will do anything. I don't care. If you need me to work free for a little bit, I'll do that. If you want me to stay late, I'll do that. I'll live here. I'll sleep here. I don't care. Um, But I know I want to figure this out. And it's one of the most important things in my life right now. That's dramatic. It's hardcore. But if you had someone who came to us and said the same thing, I'd be like, okay, yeah, um, I don't care then. I don't don't care about your, your past work history. I don't care about your experience. If you're, if you mean everything that you just said, we'll give you a shot. Don't lie to us. Don't bullshit us. And I think we don't swear. I just swear a little bit. Um, <laughs> I think it's, well, we're PG 13. Okay. So we get one and understand that I'm going to watch you like a hawk and be more hardcore than anybody else we have, because this is a favor. 
and prove yourself and that's fine but that's really good on both on on both perspectives too so when i was learning how to sell or get my first client there was this sentiment that you could portray that was if someone said hey you don't have any clients why should i pick you and one of the things you can say to that is because you can say because all of my attention is going to be on you all of i am basically your employee and uh that's a really good selling point for somebody too especially if your services are on the cheaper end and sometimes people will just you know just say hey i know how to do this for myself but i want to know how to do it for somebody else i'm willing to charge you at a cheaper rate you know just you know even if it's just doing ads you know charging them ad spend and then not a management fee for running facebook ads or doing you know some kind of media spending but it, it is easier to build a portfolio too if you are like a graphic designer because it's like okay well pick a business and make a logo like you don't need anybody's necessarily permission unless you're going to promote it and you can make up a business name you can make up a business name with a logo and then it, it doesn't matter it's your art so and i think you do either way so like continuing with my example but also for this too you do this with a mutual understanding hey uh, i understand i'm worth very little right now i have nothing to prove other than everything that i want to prove but like i have nothing to prove my current worth and status but 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 as we go and as this as i become more valuable and skilled and that sort of thing then it's unreasonable not to expect things to change with this relationship even if i'm working for free or i'm working heavily discounted right now and then say you temporarily grandfather that you take on new clients at a higher rate and you allow that discounted rate to continue for a while i think eventually you're going to hit the point where you say look i'm very grateful for the opportunity that you gave me here i can't keep working this cheaply we just did or, that. Yep. We had our hosting at like 25 bucks a month or 250 a year for for our previous clients who paid us to build a website and then not have marketing services after that. Well, since then we've all of our newer clients who have either gone from marketing to just hosting or just build a website and wanted hosting, they're at like 225 a quarter. Yep. So like they're paying every 3 months what our older clients are paying in a year. And we just sent out a mass email that said, "Hey, all of you hosting clients, if you're not already at this new rate, you're going up. We'll help you move over to a host that's more affordable if you would like, but we offer a lot more than what you're paying for. And frankly, we don't want to chase down 25 bucks a month. Yep. And most of them have been pretty understanding. Actually, all of them have been pretty understanding. Yeah. We've only had a few be kind of weird and that's fine. I think it's... <laughs> We're, we've been very proactive about it too. I mean, especially with something like this, maybe it's an annual bill. And then we went out, we sent out a mass email. We said, we're going to follow up, call people. For a lot of them, their mind is not thinking about it because it's just something to pay once a year. But yeah, I lost it. I had something with that. That's all right. I wrote it on a couple notes too. So I have one that's when people, if you do get a lead and they want to talk to you, be consultative and not salesy. So we, I get leads all the time where we talk to that. We talk on the phone and they've have already talked to one of my competitors. And the number one thing that I, not the number one thing, but one of the big things that I've, I've noticed or picked up on is the leads or prospects that I talk to. They say, yeah, I talked to this other marketing person in the industry and uh, Cody, it's usually your buddy. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> we tight. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, they're like, yeah, and he just sounded really salesy. Like he, you know, I would say something and they would just go, yeah, 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 we can do that. We can do that. Absolutely. And then they say, but I like your approach, which is if I say something and I suggest, you know, hey, maybe then we do Facebook ads, you always kind of ground me and say, yeah, I'd rather not. Let's focus on what works first and then 
we can talk about it later because when they're calling me, I am truly just being honest in their marketing efforts and what they can expect and where they're going to see the most value. I don't typically sell Facebook services or any other ad services on that same call unless they're coming in at me and saying, hey, I'm, I'm prepared to spend $10,000 on Google ads. Then it's like, okay, well, you're probably going to hit that market saturation with impression share maybe yeah. maybe we should talk about facebook ads or something like that but if they're not prepared to spend that then i'm gonna say let's just focus on google ads we can reassess in a few months and at the end of the day like if we do all these services for them and they're not getting the cost per acquisition that they want or the amount of leads they want at the price they're paying they're not going to be a client for very long so just make sure you're very consultative in your approach if the service isn't for them, it's not for them. And I've had that conversation with prospects before where they wanted Google ads, but our package was Google ads and SEO. And they already had an SEO guy. And I said, hey, maybe our services aren't for you. And I was just straight up with them and they're not a client, but we're probably better off that way too, because we would have one client that was different from the rest of them. And it's just not super scalable. What are what are the most common objections that you get or see? Not even like objections or hesitations. Yeah, I go, I'll go with the ones that I first got when I when we first started, and then the ones that I get kind of now. So the first ones I would I would get were you know can I see website examples, which isn't really a, an objection, and that kind of goes into building a portfolio. I get why should I go with you versus you know insert competitor, and I really got that one. So my response has changed on this one, and I I love the evolution that it's taken. But when it first started, it was, oh, because, and then I listed off a bunch of reasons, like um, we're industry focused, we've written in these publications, we focus on these services, so we are the experts in this service. It's like, then I would equate it, it was really easy if they were a fertilization company and that's all they did, because I could be like, hey, your homeowners, they could they could hire a landscaping company that did lawn maintenance and fertilization, or they can hire a fertilization expert for their fertilization needs. That's what you'd be doing with us for your Google and search engine marketing. And that made a lot of sense to a lot of people. And the other thing was just, I am the owner. You can call me, you can text me, and I'm I'm responsive. And typically our competition is the same way. We're, we operate in a niche where we don't have very like big competitors. We have like one or two. But how I answer that objection now, or it's not even an objection, it's just a question. But how I answer that now is, they say, why, why should I go with you? And I just say, because you want to. <laughs> i don't try to sell us anymore i'm like look i'm not, i don't i i usually say this line too i love this line and i use it all the time and it works like a charm it's i have nothing to sell you like you either want my services or you don't i have everything out there. we're not hurting for work yeah. yeah like you came to me you searched me you came to me you wanted to ask me the questions i answered them i didn't come to you asking for your business and mm -hmm. I'm not saying that from a like a stance of like ego, but it is true. You came to me. Why should I want you as a client? And when you're first starting out, you can't have that mentality because you need work. And so I didn't have that mentality. I have that now because like Cody said, we're not hurting for work now because of the position that we're in now. The other objection I get is pricing. So we worked with clients in pricing in the past and it was you know hey we can give you a discount you even talked about inflating our prices just to cut back to make people feel like they're winning something yeah <laughs> and like it's i know you used to do when you worked at oh yeah i worked at case yeah um and case i don't know I, case i'm pretty sure case couldn't legally do that i knew other <laughs> no names i knew other <laughs> companies that had a reputation for 
offering yeah, the jewelry market's a scam it's a racket they, they would offer discounts and make sales seem like bigger sales than what they actually were because what the actual what was needed for a healthy profit it was already cool. marked so high <laughs> <laughs> it was already marked so high that when they gave any any sort of discount they were still making a huge profit so it was fine yeah well so that was one thing that we did now if people say like hey i can't i can't cough up uh 750 bucks a month then i'll just say well maybe our services maybe you're not in a position for our services i can point you in the direction which is articles that we write on how to how to do this yourself but at some point it's not a client you want if they're gonna start nickel and diming you on your services that you offer at your price that's not gonna you're already not off to a very healthy relationship and it's just gonna be a pain same thing with our site builds i get i don't get pushback on our site builds now for our prices because our prices are our prices now are like right around three thousand dollars for a website which is still relatively low i think it's like yeah i think it's low i think five thousand is the industry is like average but the biggest pushback i get is taking over a website versus building a new one a lot of guys have their own website already and they're like i just got it rebuilt like last year uh and i'm always on the position of no i want to rebuild your website because one i don't know what visual builder you're using i've never experienced i've never used it if their site isn't on wordpress i don't even want to deal with it and we're going to spend more time fixing and optimizing the seo mistakes and problems on your site than if we were just to rebuild it so we can either rebuild it now for three thousand dollars in 45 days or we can take it over four thousand dollars and set up your marketing campaigns and then spend the next six months trying to get it to the place where it would be if we would just rebuild it in 45 days <clears throat> And they're going to perform worse. I, mean, I think it depends. It depends a lot on their company and what that means when they're like, "Oh, I just got a website rebuilt." Like, so you have an internal team that's your own internal. You have your own internal marketing team with the digital marketing segment who is responsible solely for managing them. And no, that's most often no. That's not the case. If that were the case, okay, fine, yeah. But if you're asking us to take over something that isn't that has been our conscious choice to develop a certain way that's a huge pain yeah yeah we've made very conscious choices in the way in the ways that we've developed our website to convert well we know that they generate leads that sort of thing mm -hmm. so if they're asking for that additional favor of hey yeah no i want you to also do the internal work that i don't have a team for like okay well you're asking for more of the marketing then aren't you yeah like your IT team almost. So now I deal with the rejection of, I don't want to build a new website. I want I want you to take it over. Now I deal with it saying like, well, I don't want to take it over. So this is a partnership and this is what I want to do. This is what I need from you in order for me to execute an effective marketing campaign. For I was more open to just saying like, okay, we'll see how it works. Because we had this with our very first client. Remember where we actually, we took over the site, but then we got into it and we learned that the site was actually pulling in a template from something we didn't have access to. And then we were like, hey, man, we have to rebuild the entire site. And this is that one site that we couldn't even share a link on Facebook because Facebook denied it. And they said, uh, this is a spammy website. And through Cody's hard work and diligence, actually got Facebook to accept the link on their website. You're probably like the only person in the history of the world to do that. Well, did I ever tell you about the guy who reached out to me about that? So I read an article about it that ranked and was getting a lot of traffic and this guy messaged me he's like hey do you want to be an affiliate for the service i offer that gets nope. people oh yeah <laughs> i swore i did so he said yeah we've got the system so the people who have the mindset for business that this guy did generally fall into a certain category of business that i am not a big fan of working with so oh. his 
his idea was oh god you got something <laughs> gray hat black hat um not even necessarily but the the guys that are attracted to that certainly have a certain mindset towards business too and i think it's short term more than long term so i told him i want to have a call let me learn a little bit more about what this is and i think he thought it's going to be that i had the same mentality the same mindset of yeah sure easy easy affiliate money i'll drop a link on the post some people your way cut me a check if i make some money but i said two things one I want, I would like just one free case study. I want to be able to send one person your way that this works for. Cause I'm not going to promote this if I don't even know if it works. Why would I do that? Yeah. Um, that makes you look bad. Mm-hmm. So I had to call with him. He said, yeah, we're not really hurting for money at work. So I can't, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give you a free one. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But I'm not going to promote you. <laughs> like, that, 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 that tells me that he is hurting for money in work, at least long-term money in work. Because if he wasn't hurting, he would already have some of that information. Well, especially for since he was the one to reach out to me. Like, I didn't go looking for him. He That's said, funny. hey, you should sign up for this. I'm like, okay, yeah, just give me one example that I know that this is legitimate. Oh, okay, I remember. The second one was I said, I don't need to know the full details. I just, I need to know a general idea of how you do this. Because I know the general flow. And if your secret is that you have somebody inside Facebook or something like that? Okay, I'm not going to rat on you. I have a life. I don't care about you and what you're doing. But it'd be nice to know just generally a, a very loose idea of how you go about getting this approved. Um, because I'm telling people already what they can do, and it's not working. So you have some sort of secrets. Uh, and if it's somebody inside, that's fine. But yeah, I don't know how else or why else I should tell people to go use you. That's a... Did you update that post yet? Because that post was still saying that you didn't get it fixed, but it did get fixed. Don't know. You should do that. I'm terrible with that. Once I write a post, I'm done with it. I'm like, nah, there you go. You're welcome. Hope you like this. I had another objection and it was that I, that it was an objection that I get. Um, Oh no, it wasn't objection. I get, it was objections that people are used to hearing about how to handle stupid ones. Like, Oh yeah. Let me talk to the business partner about this. Let me talk to my wife about this before, you know, whatever. Those to me aren't really objections. Those are just being like, okay, see ya. Like, this is what I do. Like, I don't, I'm not a salesperson. I don't say, well, what's your concern? Like, is it the price? Is it like, you know, the profit potential? I just, they're like, yeah, let me think about this for a week. I'm like, great. I'll follow up in a week. <laughs> like, and, and I let them go. I don't ever ask for the sale on the phone, which is probably like some kind of sales party foul or something. Yeah. But I, I literally say, they're like, okay, cool. I'm liking everything you're saying. What are the next things? Like, well, so I'll just send you like a follow-up email. It's a call recap. It'll have our sales deck in it, a few examples of our website, and then what the next steps are that I just want you to read it over for about a week or, you know, stew on it for a couple of days. And then I'll follow up with you if I haven't heard anything with you by the end of the week. And, have you noticed any changes since uh, we started sending up or attaching the updated sales deck too? Like uh, no, but I did, I did send it out yesterday and noticed that you haven't updated the, the site pricing yet. What do you mean? Well, you probably updated it in the PowerPoint or the Google slides thing, but you haven't updated it in the PDF, which is what I use. Well, you just download it. Well, I don't know That's what, right. I don't know what the Google slide is. It's I'm not, it's not in this, it's not in the sale, the new business folder. I'm sending it to you right now. All right. Maybe we'll cut that. I don't know. <laughs> but no, I haven't really noticed a whole lot of difference quite yet. It's just easier. It's just, it's just easier to list out all the services in that folder so I, I am appreciative that you at least put that together good job minion but they got it leads into my next one which was follow up i think that's like the biggest sales thing you can do is like just follow up with your with your prospects we invested in a hubspot paid crm finally like this year because my follow-ups were terrible and 
the more I followed up with, the more I actually closed. So people forget about you. Also, you're not the only person that people are talking to or the only marketing company that people are talking to. They're probably doing the research and talking to multiple ones. But I can't tell you how many times that someone has called me and said, you're the only marketing company that actually picked up or you're the first one that's called me back. And I always call within 24 hours, unless it's like Saturday, then I'll call you on Monday. But I can't stress that enough. Just follow up. And my method is, because I think you asked me about this, but my method for following up is, oh no, I was telling one of my clients this because one of my clients was having no problem getting leads from us, but they weren't getting people in the consultation and they're like it, it's just not working for us I'm like no you're just not very good at sales so mm. here's here's how i do it we have our sales call and then i send them the recap and the sales deck and everything they need that i say hey i'll follow up in a week if i haven't heard from you so usually five business days i will call them first if we connect great if we don't leave a voicemail then immediately after i leave the voicemail i send them an email and say hey just left you a voicemail just wanted to follow up, see if you're some, this is something you're still interested in, or seeing if you got a chance to read this. Then I will wait two to three days and I'll call again. But I won't leave another voicemail because I don't want to overload their voicemail inbox. But I'll send them another email right after that voicemail or right after that call. And I'll say, hey, following up again, still haven't heard from you. Is this something you're even interested in anymore? If I haven't heard from them in another week, so another five business days, I will send them one more email and it just says, hey, just following up one more time, seeing if you're still interested in this. If you're not, I'll take you out of my following up process. And that's it. I I don't like hammer hard. And I, I bet I would close more if I followed up more. But I like this method. I feel like it's not very invasive. And it's just it gives people time to look over things. What's your goal for getting back to inquiries? When somebody fills out a on our site, says, hey, I'm interested. I want to learn more. How quickly do you want to get back to them? I want to get back to them within 24 hours. Typically, it's a call. So what I'll do is I'll call them around like a lunch hour, just assuming when it is based off of where they filled it out or towards the end of the day um, or early in the morning. But sometimes I'll send an email to them and just say, hey, when's a good time we can hop on a, a phone call? And <laughs> There's a sales strategy that I use from the that I learned from the office and it works. It's great. Yeah, seriously. So it's when Danny Cordray comes in and like they're trying to like spy on his sales tactics from the other competitor. Mm-hmm. And he sits down with Meredith and she goes, So are you here to sell me some paper? He's like, No, and I'm not here to uh, what was her name? It was like something Helsing, <laughs> something Van Helsing or something like that. And she's like, he goes, No, I'm not here to sell you paper. I'm here to see if we're a good fit. And I was like, oh, that's good. <laughs> so so usually when I email or, or when I talk to somebody, I'm like, yeah, so just wanted to see, you know, if there were a good fit for you, um, if you're a good fit for us, when, when's, you know, 15, 20 minutes, we can hop on a phone call and, and talk. And then once we get on a phone call, my script is usually starts off with, yeah, so I saw you filled out a form on our website, just wanted to reach out to you. And then, uh, you know, how I usually like to start these off is I just want you to, to let me know a little bit about you and your business, how you got started, what you've done for marketing in the past and how you found us and, you know, just, yeah, fill me in. And then they gave me their whole story. And then I asked questions. There's certain questions I like to know, like, what's your revenue at right now? What other marketing things have you done in the past? What's working for you? And then like, what do you want from us? Mm-hmm. And this is a big qualifying question because if someone says, I want you to run my Facebook ads and that's it. I'm like, we're not a good fit. I don't want to do that. 
unless you're okay with starting out with Google ads and SEO. But that's the basic part of my script. And I say, yeah, you tell me about you. I'll tell you about me. And then I'll say, here's what our services are. If that's still a good fit for you, great. I'm not shy about the prices either. If people, if they email me or they message me on Facebook and say, what are your prices? I don't even give them the opportunity to get on a phone call with me. I just send them the prices because if that's their first question is what are your prices? They don't care about you or the services you offer. They care about the price of your services. And that's fair. If if it's like the first disqualifier for them where they're like, yeah, you're out of my budget. Then like, yeah, okay, cool. Like mutually beneficial. We don't want to fight for your money either. Yeah. I mean, if you're in a position, like if it's, if it's your first, you know, you don't have a client yet and you do want to fight for that money. Great. When I first started out, I would say, hey, my prices aren't that simple. It actually requires me to know what you're looking for and what you would benefit most from. Because it even, it's even true today. People don't know what they're looking for. I mentioned this in our second episode. It's, people said, do you know you want social media? What does that mean? You want organic posting? You want Google ads? Yeah. You want me to respond to messages? And yeah. some people say they want marketing, oh, digital marketing. They don't exactly know what they mean, but what they really do, what they really want is leads. Have you spent much time? I don't know why I've spent, I don't spend hardly any time on social anymore, but I've probably spent the most on LinkedIn lately. And I see the, I see so many marketing people just trying to justify and validate themselves instead of marketing itself. And it, it just goes to show how few of them have actually read any serious marketing books or have any business know-how. The phrasing of how they choose to say things, like I think simply leaving marketing as an investment by itself is a huge red flag to me. If that's all you say <laughs> and you don't you don't explain anything else, I'm like, okay, uh, how long until I got to get my money back? What kind of return can I expect here? Uh, because that that sounds like something that people say who are bad investors. <laughs> yeah. No, I I 100% agree with that. Yeah, marketing is an investment. So what you're saying is is I have no idea when I'm going to get my return. That's like saying if if I get a return. Yeah, that's like if saying I lose money. That's like saying a house is an investment in 2007. Uh, <laughs> or, or right now, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how this plays out. But yeah, so, uh, we actually just I actually just got I'm looking at my email right now, and the example I gave of we can take over our website right now for a thousand bucks or redo it for i think i quoted this guy 3500 bucks he said hey we're probably looking at the four to six months of monthly marketing to fix everything with the website takeover so he's he's okay with paying more uh over a longer period of time that's fine but just being fully honest with that i had another thing and again i can't remember what it was i think it was oh um i was just in a facebook group the other day i sent you a screenshot of it and this guy was saying that he's like, hey, contractors or landscapers, if you're not getting leads or if you're not getting clients, it's not because you're not yeah. ranking on Google or you're not running the right ads. It's because your social media presence sucks. And I was like, this is this is a, a terrible take. This is awful. <laughs> and I'm like, it's not even a hot one. It's just garbage. And he what he was insinuating was that every qualified client, when they when they find you, they then go to your social media to vet you. And if your social media isn't up to standards, then they won't contact you. So I literally just pulled the multi-funnel attribution report from Google Analytics for some of our bigger clients that had a lot of traffic. And I was like, hey, social media isn't even a touch point in the first 18 multi-attribution funnels. Mm-hmm. It's like Google ads, organic, direct contact. I was I like, maybe sometime we need to have an episode on books, like the good ones that people should read instead of this mm-hmm. crap where... Anything by Rand Fishkin? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Honestly, the, you you find the serious the, the people who are serious about this the, the they aren't they're not the new books. 
the good ones. Like I remember reading scientific advertising. I can't remember. That book's probably a hundred years old now. Um, one of the biggest points of the book is that marketing should, should validate and prove itself. You should, that's the first thing you should ask of it is, is this working in a measurable way that I know I'm making money from how I am spending this. And we always come in with that. We will justify it or we have to be attentive in some other ways and say, look, there are administrative costs that you pay us to do sometimes that aren't directly marketing. Like you need a website and it needs to function and you need functional email. And those aren't marketing. Those are just administrative things. And that's a, a task that we help and assist with. And then you have marketing in addition to that. So you have to be somewhat flexible and, and also understanding that things that are not easily directly attributable such as display campaigns, video, multi-touch attribution, these sorts of things where you've got connected TV. I mean, it's, it's getting very complicated and you'll listen to some podcasters or some people talk and they'll be like, they'll say those things and they'll just leave it at that to be like, yeah, marketing is complicated. It's difficult. That's why you got to spend a lot of money now because it, life's getting harder. And then you just, you got to understand that it's going, and they're not wrong, but you do, you need a 50-50 view on this to understand that. And then to also say, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I hear you. That does not change the fact that I need to make more money than I spend on this. Yeah, exactly. Rant if over. Mar- if, well, if marketing <laughs> is not producing an ROI, then don't do it. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point. And it's not as hard as when you look at all-in costs. It's not as hard as people say, depending on the business model. I mean, if you if you run a thin business, that's your fault, and you're running that risk yourself already. If you if you created a business model off of razor thin margins, and then you're upset when your advertising isn't working, maybe your advertising isn't the problem. Maybe your business is the problem. Maybe you set up a, a very risky business already from the start. That'll be an episode you lead because I don't actually I don't I don't like read any marketing books. I think the only marketing book I've actually read, which was the um what are those the letters the, mm, the, the boron, boron letters the boron letters yeah yeah uh most of my books actually i read are about like sales and positioning and things like that mm-hmm. which would be more applicable for this one so like but again one of the things i don't like about sales books is they're just like ask for the sale and then like all these objections that i just think are very intrusive and just like leave people alone i i sell based on how i want to be sold i think my hang up is that there's a very large disconnect usually between your marketing executives and your financial executives, operating executives, and that people who work their way up in marketing. And it's once you get to the very top, I think it's different. I think you do, you're obligated to have a better financial perspective, but maybe just high level account, they call them account executives, but I, I mean, I'm talking CMO level um, as far as understanding finances. You can have very well paid account account managers, account executives who have no understanding of finances and they are the worst consumers. All they like they are terrible with money. And that's why people like the CFOs and the people who understand actual finances will crap on marketing. And it's because they don't come with this mindset and this perspective and this understanding that or or they hear you, they hear the crap that you're saying and they think you're full of crap because you aren't saying that this needs to justify itself, to validate itself, to prove that these things are worth it. Most people are too. That's why we always say focus on Google ads first and then I'll move over because we want to prove the ROI before mm-hmm. I move you over a service that has lower ROI. And that's because it's for us. If you, by all means, if you are getting better ROI, if you are, or if you have found out different systems and, and channels, whatever, that are working, 
whatever's working the best, that's great. But like what I was saying about the business model, you take drop shippers who maybe have a 10% profit margin, something like that. They're integrating AliExpress with Shopify. Everything's automated, but they're making like a quarter on whatever it is that they ship. And then they are running Facebook ads to make seven cents and they spend a million dollars to make 50K or something like that. Like that is an insane amount of effort and work. And usually what those guys go sideways so fast. <laughs> what well, what they want to do, they just want to sell the business. They're not in there to make the money from the business itself. They're in there to sell it to some idiot who's willing to pay for it and buy it uh, and then get out and then never have to actually worry about the finances themselves. I only know that because Jenny's experienced uh, in the peripheral, I'll say, <laughs> um, people who have that mindset and think that way about growing their business via marketing is because the, the money is never to make or the goal is never to make money in the business. The, bo- the, the goal is to make money by selling business. And I think um, if you talk to these guys, if you talk to your clients, your customers who are it's their money. They're very serious about it. This is their livelihood. And you try to come at them with this this crap about what marketing is. And you're just this smooth talker instead of just being a stray shooter and being like, yeah, no, I, I understand. This is your money. You got to make money from it. We also operate from that perspective. It, it makes it so much easier. There's always going to be clients that don't that are just looking for anything like they're just saying hey uh, what do you have i want it and then there's going to be clients who are actually financially aware and you it's a bad way of phrasing it maybe saying there's always going to be clients to reach out to you and not know what they want and aren't very intelligent there's going to be clients that are very intelligent and want to reach out to you and then that's when you got to be consultative whereas the other ones are just price driven and if they're price driven then they're probably not a great fit well did I say this one or did I say last one about those two things about like the people who run their own businesses needing to understand their financials, <laughs> like understanding what my marketing budget is and what I can expect from it and then being prepared for it too. Like those two things, I think if, if people running their businesses don't have those things figured out when they go looking for marketing, they're going to be in a bad spot. It's, it's not going to take long to get there because they're going to panic when they realize they've never had enough that they're paying enough attention to their financials to understand how their marketing budget f- should function. And then they also didn't prepare for the business to grow from the consequences of their marketing. I think those are two major things. And I, I see that because I, I don't know, I should probably say I do get inquiries too. And nine times out of 10, I say, Hey, I'm not the guy you want to talk to. <laughs> I'm very flattered that you want to work with us. Go talk to Jake because I'm not good at this part, but I do even before you talk to Jake, I want to make sure you understand a few things. And it's that if you don't do these things, we're both not going to like you. Yeah. And four <laughs> times out of ten, they actually contact me. <laughs> yep. And then I then I would say probably zero out of ten have those actually turned into sales. <laughs> because I mean they're not searching for their niche market. They're just saying, Hey, mm-hmm. you guys do marketing for local businesses. I know you, but they're not our ideal clientele, but it's saying, Hey, if you truly want this, like, yeah, talk to Jake, but then we've already qualified them twice and they still wanted to talk to us and weren't getting into what they thought they were getting into. So mm-hmm. we both went our separate ways. Yeah. And that's a, I feel like this will become a catchphrase where I'm like, that's a business model. You can do that. <laughs> that's fine. If that's your cup of tea, it is, it's fine. If you, if you want to be the, the, Hey buddy, like, yeah, just hit me up. I'll help you out. I'll do anybody's marketing, that sort of thing. And maybe your angle isn't ROI. I mean, I can't relate. I can't tell you what to do. 
because uh, that's not our approach. But yeah, it can you work. You can't, you can't have an ROI angle if you're a graphic designer. <laughs> that's fair. So, and that's why they make garbage money. Yeah. Ooh, well, that's <laughs> fired. <laughs> uh, only honesty here. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. I mean, even if it's like a PR, like you, you want to open a PR agency, again, it's not gonna. there's not going to be an ROI focus, but you're going to have to have some kind of results or some kind of proof of concept before you can sell anything. And so we're really bad about talking about other agency models because we, we know ours very well and we talk about ours. But once we get our site set up and once we have more of an inquiry thing, we'd love to hear from all of you on what you guys would want to hear. And, you know, maybe you have insights to the industry and you want to come on. Great. So, yeah, we could do guests who teach us more about this too, because we, we, we are aware of what we don't know too. And that's fine. I think the best example is um, like social. I know for a fact, social works for businesses that aren't ours, <laughs> like our clientele. Um, it, it can work. E-commerce, I know it can absolutely crush it. So and it's very interesting and fun. I think e-com is, is very cool, but as an agency, it's definitely hard to either cover both, especially if you're very small, or to offer very good services focusing on both because they require very different strategies. One time, I, I remember the first e-com client that I got, and I got it because I knew enough about paid traffic and organic. A lot of agencies are siloed in that way, where they're like, these people do SEO, these people run ads, and that would be very detrimental for a lot of e-commerce businesses because of how integrated they can be. Or even something as simple as updating a photo, right, affects your conversion rate. It's just, you need to have a, a much more holistic perspective. And then that then makes the learning curve that much longer because you have to put somebody through the whole thing. Like our minions learn way more than most people will learn at agency because we have them up out with every step and they don't have to understand everything fully, but that makes the learning duration that much longer too. This ended up going way off topic, but dude, we always say it's going to be a shorter episode and it's just not. We're out of here. See you. Stop talking. Hopefully people <laughs> like it though. We'll see. I don't know. I think after I publish our fifth episode, we're going to, I'm going to start promoting it. Cool. I want there to be enough content for people to binge. Yeah. Feedback would be nice. Yeah. That way we'll, we'll grow into it. Give the people what they want. <laughs> if you have feedback, email me at jake at evergrowmarketing.com. And, and we can we can provide it in the episode, but I'll probably send you an email back too. But just for now. But we'll eventually get a site up, but we'll have a you know a form you can fill out and all that fancy stuff. But I cool. think um I think to we'll wrap it up. So just just to recap, we're not I, I'm not gonna give you what you should or shouldn't do in terms of sales. I'm gonna tell you what I do and what I don't do in terms of my recap. So uh I'm not salesy. I'm consultative. Be okay with not taking on everybody as a client. Be okay with rejection and rejecting people. Make sure clients are a good fit for you as you're a good fit for them. If people need time to think about it, give them time to think about it. But make sure you follow up. Don't forget about them. That goes a long way. If you don't want to listen to anything that we said in this episode, you're welcome not to. Again, we're just here to, to share our experiences with sales, but this is how we land ours. And I think the biggest takeaway is just be consultative and don't have a sales approach. So don't say, yes, we can do everything. Don't try to make them happy. I told a client one time, nobody gives a crap about his river rock that he sells, like on his phone. I was a little more vulgar than that. He was like, I saw River Rock. I was like, so? So does everybody else. He wanted a one-page website. I'm like, that's not going to cut it. You need to explain to people why your River Rock is better, why your service is better, and you need to tell Google the same thing, and one page isn't going to do it. And, and he appreciated that. Not a client, but he appreciated it. 
but that's that is how i talk to to everybody we talk to so they they like that and and we become more of a partner if you have any more objections that you want to answer or you want me to answer just let me know but yeah that's everything there is right cool all right everybody thanks for listening to episode seven uh how to land your first sales we'll see you in the next one see you Thank you.